0: Welcome to His Story, a teaching series with Pastor Mickey Bryce from Center Stage Church. This nine-part series explores the story of God from a theater perspective. Now here's Mickey Bryce. Today is the second message in a series called History or His Story, whichever one you prefer. They're both accurate, and today we're uh, continuing on in the book of Exodus. For those of you that are listening only, there are pictures and things that are displayed here in the live performance. If there is uh, any of that that you would like for us to send to you, you can simply respond to the podcast or send us an email, info at centerstagechurch.org, and I'm happy to send you those pictures. For those of you that are in the room here, I would ask that you turn to the book of Exodus. I don't need to read the story that you've just seen in the video. It is almost entirely accurate in the movie that was made years ago called Prince of Egypt. Let me start by saying this. I found out a really interesting fact last week after we started our series. got an email from my daughter, and let me just tell you uh, what she found last Saturday... May the 6th, I believe it was, was the premiere of a new Broadway musical in Dallas, Texas called History the Musical, featuring a book and score by Anna Miriam Brown, made its world premiere in Dallas the day before the series made its debut on podcast. (laughs) It is directed by two-time Tony nominee Jeff Calhoun, who did Newsies and Bonnie and Clyde. It is at the Broadway tent at Grandscape. Says the director about the musical, I'm excited to use the theater to bring all types of people together to share a message that is so needed in today's culture. My prayer is that once you experience history, the musical, you will leave the theater with a renewed optimism about the potential of humanity. Now, I haven't seen it. I don't know exactly what the storyline is, but I imagine it's about Jesus. I hope so, at least. So uh, if you hear more about that and want to pass that information uh, to me, I'll pass it on to our listeners and to you. Long time ago, Cameron McIntosh, who was a very legendary Broadway producer, produced a show called Les Miserables. And it became, over these years, a global sensation. It had its world premiere. Anybody know when? Becca? Anybody know when? 1985 in the United States. And it has been seen since that time by over 70 million people people in 43 countries and 22 languages around the globe. It is in its 37th year, and you still can't get the rights to produce it at the local level because it's still on a tour and on Broadway. So our series today uh, is called History, and it is God unfolding his story in the world. He introduces himself to our world. Today, we're going to look at some of the uh, most dramatic introductions of God to the world that ever could be. God, specifically, is going to cast Moses as a lead character. We're going to call him a supporting lead because God's the lead. But Moses, as a, a character in this dramatic exodus, From Egypt. So if you would turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 2, and hold it there, it's right at the beginning of your Bible. So, despite plot twists, history is one of God's redeeming faithfulness. Last week, we began our study talking about creation, the characters of this story, and the initial plot, which was Eden and the first family. Over the first years as the earth was populated, history continued and the plot thickened. Then we see the cast rebel, but God keeps the show afloat. By the time we get to Noah, some 1,600 years later, things have gotten worse. People on the earth have become consumed with their own ways. They are selfish, indulgent, prideful, and according to God, wicked. Sound familiar? But through the calling of Noah, God saves a few righteous people from the flood that destroys everyone else. God then casts a family and makes promises. 300 more years pass and we find the story of another calling. Abraham was first called by God and gives him the promise of a new family and many descendants. Abraham's son Isaac and his grandson Jacob continue the calling and the story moves forward. The family grows. The cast stumbles, but God gives the show a little bit bigger stage. As in most families, there's dysfunction. Jacob's son Joseph is hated by his brothers. He's attacked, left for dead, sold into slavery into Egypt, where God raises him up to a position of prominence presumed lost by his family god calls joseph to save his entire family and a nation by providing food during a famine they are reunited reconciled and the entire show comes to egypt to live by the time things change and the entire family which has now become a nation is enslaved in egypt Time moves on and by the time of Moses, our main character in today's part of the story, the slavery is brutal, the work is harsh, and the people are in despair. What kind of story is this of God's? Doesn't sound particularly encouraging, does it? No, it doesn't. God's own creation has rebelled You'd think if God could create something, he could get them to behave. He can't. The family, the people of his own choosing, end up in slavery. Miserable. His story is not well known at that time. Israel was not a world religion. It was not even a religion particularly at that time. The people of Israel... The Jews were not particularly well liked. Their own relationship with God had not been codified and written down and uh, organized. What a time for a world premiere. So here's where we're going to get going here. The world premiere that we're going to talk about is exactly what you saw in the video. The cast of the show in this story has cried out to God, and God hears. Did you know that every time you cry out to God, God hears it? Every single time. He has an idea about it. But one of the things that makes people feel so discouraged is that they feel alone when they cry. Nobody understands. Nobody hears me. And the great news about God we're gonna see today is when we cry, God hears. In the midst of their suffering, listen to the verses. Uh, We're gonna start in chapter two of the book of Exodus, verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard he heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob what was that? I will make you a great nation so far they weren't particularly a great nation And it's easy to think uh, what was that all about God <laughs> well, what? I don't get it, you said you'd make us a great nation and right now all we get is uh, slavery and hunger in pain and heartache, God remembers his cast in Israel. And instead of canceling the show, God decides to move in a miraculous and mighty way on a world stage with a new production and a new lead character. God calls Moses to this world premiere. Moses was no stranger to the stage. He knew what Egypt was. He had been one of its leaders. He had served in Pharaoh's court uh, before being exiled for killing a man. After he learned that he was not an Egyptian at all, he was an Israelite himself. He escaped to the desert place of Midian and was hoping to remain there forever. Have you ever run away from God and you get off somewhere and just because nobody you used to know knows where you are, you think you're alone? And all of a sudden in the middle of that experience, God finds you. He didn't lose you. I've experienced that before. And it's like, uh, okay. You think you're so smart and God says, "Mm." (laughs) yeah, All right. So God has other plans for Moses. Remember that the story that we talk about is God's story, not Moses' story, not Mickey's story, not center stage, not Zao's story. It's God's story. And God's story is way bigger than anything we think. We think we always see ourselves as the lead character, right, in the story. But we're just in the chorus. God is the main character here, and Moses is the one that we see, and God has other plans. So, chapter 3. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. So he's run away, he's uh, there, he finds some people that kind of like him, and he likes them. He is a shepherd, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, guess who's there? God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Okay, just stop right there. I don't know exactly how you would produce that if you were doing a live show. I mean, there is a live show called Prince of Egypt. I haven't seen it, so I don't know if this particular experience is, I would imagine it is. But that'd be kind of cool to get your special effects to do it. So this is not a musical. This is a real burning bush, which doesn't consume anything. I mean, it it doesn't burn up. So it's just like, I don't know. (laughs) Green. Moses, saw that though the bush was on fire, did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And he saw him stick his staff in the video into the fire and it doesn't catch the staff on on fire. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. God says, don't come any closer take off your sandals for the place that you're standing is holy ground. And all through scripture, we see that the presence of God, man cannot stand in the presence of God. He's destroyed by the holiness because man is sinful or woman. And here God himself says, take off your shoes for the place that you're standing is holy ground. Now that cave wasn't holy. What made the cave holy was the presence of God, who sanctifies everything around him. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and he lists all of the different peoples that live there who, by the way, would fight to the death to keep the Israelites from taking their land. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me again, first person God, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So every aspiring actor wonders what will happen if he or she gets that big break. I'm now going to be the lead character in a production. It's an exciting thing, very exciting thing. What if the call comes and you're offered a part in a really big show? What if you were offered a role in a world-class production? What if somebody called and offered you that? Now, to most of you that are not particularly involved in the world of theater, we go, "Mm, I would say, are you crazy? But to some of us here, that's something that we've pursued at one point or another in our life. And it would be like, wow, that's pretty cool. So what does Moses say? I think Moses would be like one of us in the congregation here. He's not particularly, he ran away to become anonymous. And you would say there's a bit of dysfunction to that. He's got issues, we would say. So what is his response? Moses says to God, who am I, God? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelite. Now, mind you, this was the son of Pharaoh, the last Pharaoh, and the brother of the current Pharaoh. So he's somebody, or he used to be. And if you watch any of the, you know, 10 Commandment movies, you see that, various versions of pictures of the true story in the scripture. Who am I? I would imagine that almost every one of us if God asks us to do something world-class, would say, why me? What's that all about? Much confidence as we might have, that confidence sort of drains away in the presence of Almighty God. It's sort of like Jackie Gleason, do you remember? Hamma, hama, 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 You remember that? He didn't know what to say because he was embarrassed. Have you ever lacked confidence anytime? Have you ever been in front of someone Not only confidence in yourself, but also in the choice of you to do the thing, whatever it was. Moses not only doesn't believe in himself, he's afraid of the extent of the task. Why is he afraid? Because he committed murder. And he feels bad about that. And he feels discouragement because he himself is a Jew and he finds that out. And he's been responsible for the bad treatment of Jews, so he tries to make up for it. He overcompensates, he makes a terrible mistake. He sins against God by taking another life, and he's afraid for the first time in his life, probably. And he runs away, and he tries to become anonymous. He has been there. Moses had seen the awesome military might and the political power of Egypt, he has also seen up close their wickedness. And he's been the victim of their pursuit. He knows that he can't just walk into Pharaoh and say, "Uh, by the way, my God said, and would you do it? Because Pharaoh's going to laugh in his face and then have him killed, maybe. Not only is he reluctant to believe in himself, he's reluctant to believe God What is with you, God? Have you lost your mind picking me? Have you ever thought that about something God asked you to do? Or maybe you heard the voice of God through a pastor or through some Bible study or through the word of God itself or a friend or a spouse or a kid or a parent. Maybe I should go do this. Maybe you should think about that. You know, you'd be really good at that. God sends all those things as suggestions to us to broaden our horizons and help reveal his will for our lives. And most of the time, yeah, I don't think so. I'm too busy. I've got a job. That'd be too hard. I'm too old. I hate that one. Don't ever say that. This entire theater is managed by people that are older than 40. And they do a fantastic job of it. And there's a guy who's 67 that builds all the sets. Don't give me you're too old. Amen. Why would you leave your family, your current job, your life as you know it, and risk all of that on a dangerous venture like this? I have lots of friends here in the desert, God. Seems that Moses is asking God for his credentials. Tell me again why you want this, and who made you God. Moses is asking God to prove that God can succeed in a sort of a passive aggressive arrogance. Can you imagine such a thing? Looking at God and saying, can you tell me, show me your credentials that I, this will be a success? God doesn't say that ahead of time because then it requires no faith. On the other hand, history has shown that God keeps his promises. and We're gonna talk about that in a minute. God promises a successful opening night. He says, okay, here's what I'll do. And he makes some promises. He makes some guarantees. In verse 12, chapter three, it says, I will be with you. You won't be alone, okay? That's promise number one. He says, I will see you on the mountain when it's over. And that's not a flippant like thing. He says, we're going to worship on this mountain when it's over. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. In other words, I'm sending you back there. Go get all the people, bring them here. We'll have a party. We will remember that I'm the one that did it. So Moses asks a follow-up question. Moses, always the analyzer. He says, uh, okay, so I thought of something else. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say, your God of your fathers has sent me and they ask me, what is his name? What else? He thinks he's got God now. Maybe, oh, I don't have a name, so you can't go. Dumbest thing I ever heard. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And you could do an entire study on the name of God and you would find that God is defined only by God. God has no definers that are perfect. He says, I am God, basically. And there's lots of history there with that name. We won't go into, but Moses knew what it meant. I am who I am. This is what you are to say. The I am has sent me. And Moses is like, okay, do they know what that means? Probably the answer is no. What does that mean? Well, Moses, this is a world premiere here. You're going to introduce me to the Egyptians shortly before I smite them. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So there's a beginning definition of who the I am is. It's the God of these people. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to remembered from generation to generation. God gives his own name to Moses to identify the cause. So if you ever went to a Broadway musical produced by Cameron McIntosh, I mentioned him earlier, you were in for a fantastic production. Phantom of the Opera, Les Miserables, Miss Saigon, Mary Poppins. When a show had his name on it, you go, I need to pay $300 to go see that one. So God identifies this cause with his own name. In other words, producer of history, God. The great God I am. However you want to describe it. You're going to describe it with God's identifier. I am. So God identifies Moses calling with his own name. The I am has sent you. Before we're finished today, you're going to hear the I am has sent you too. And I'm pointing at everybody in the auditorium and at everybody's listening. So verse 16 Moses said, go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God way back there is the God right here. Appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I have seen what you have done to you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you out of your misery in the land of in all the names, a land flowing with milk and honey. So promise number three, I will bring you out. Pact. Well, in the chapters that follow, Moses says, yes, he believes God. He trusts him. Ultimately leads God's promise in the world premiere of his story. God makes good on all of his promises. Hmm. The most powerful nation in the world is brought to its knees and is forced to let Israel leave Egypt. God can do anything. It is true that we get discouraged when we look around our world and we see evil and we see weirdness and we see sin and we see political divides and something seems more direct, more harsh, more dangerous to anyone ultimately. Never forget that God controls all of it. Never forget that. If you want to be afraid for a little bit, join the human race. And then after you finish being afraid, get down on your knees and ask God for mercy for our world. And you be the leader in it. So, the most powerful nation in the world brought to its knees. God's people are given, ultimately, a holy land to live in. We know the story. And what was once a family is now truly a nation which exists to this day. Some of our folks were in that nation last week. Rob, Dusty, they had a wonderful time. Reg, Sharon, Randy and Glenda, they're still there. They didn't get enough. But that nation is there today because God said so. Wow, okay. So here's this scenario that we've described. The beginning of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt, becoming a nation, not just a family. So that's the backdrop, that's the story. Now I want you to shift with me to you. And if you're listening by podcast, I want you to think introspectively, so what? When you listen to people talk and they're trying to tell you what they think, at some point they're gonna say to you, like I am, so what? Why do I care? Who cares about this? Why is it important? We, we I think, are conditioned in the United States to, to understand that we've been taught a lot of things. We hear lots of marketing, all this stuff, and the answer is, okay, this information, why should I listen? It's either funny or instructive or raw or whatever. Why should I listen to you? And it's a good question. Here's the answers. Did you know that in this same history, you have a role as well? You're in it. You've been written into this. The very same God, the very same God that was at the burning bush speaks to you and to me. He's called you. If you're a believer today, he has made the same promises to you that he made to Moses. Now, if you're not a believer today and are listening to this, it is our understanding that scripture teaches that some promises are made to those that are God's. And there are some promises that are universal. One of the reasons we come to the Lord is to avail ourselves of his promise to save, to lead, to guide, all of those things. So it's not just a one-size-fits-all to the whole world. The Bible is full of promises from God, some 8,000. Uh, there is up on there on the screen, and I'm gonna read it to you if you're listening by podcast, seven of the most important ones. I guess maybe that's a good one. Number one, I will be with you Number two, I will protect you. Number three, I will be your strength. Number four, I will answer you. Number five, I will provide for you. Number six, I will give you peace. Number seven, I will always love you. When you listen to the complaints people have about God, I don't love God because he did this. Usually God's violated in their mind one of these. God didn't protect me when he said he would. Well, he's talking about eternity. I will be your strength. Well, he didn't give me strength. That's because you walked away from him. That's not God's fault. Well, I prayed and prayed and prayed and God never gave me an answer. Really? What about that friend that called you and wanted to talk? And usually we miss that and then we blame God for our troubles. But for now, let's just concentrate on the fact that you're a main character in his story, in the history, and he has given you promises just like he did to Moses. Keep that list handy. If you want, I will email it to you as fast as you send me your email. Your part in God's story begins with God and his promises. The first promise is, if you come to me, I will save you. Hallelujah. No questions asked. Tell me that Jesus died for your sin and I will save you, he says. Then all of these others apply as well. Your part in this story continues as your sin is dealt with because you've come to Christ and trusted that he died on the cross for your sins. Your part continues with what is uh, commonly called in our country recovery. And recovery means that God makes beauty out of ashes. He makes wonderful things where there was mistakes and trouble and pain. Heartache. He takes all of that and turns it around into a beautiful story of his faithfulness. God wants you the same way he wanted Moses. Moses had issues. Moses was still discouraged and ticked off at God, maybe, scared to death to go and investigate anything further because every time he found out anything, it caused him pain and trouble. No wonder people walk away from what they think is God's working in their life because it's hard. It is hard sometimes. But the reason God does that is that that's because we need him when we go through those things. We don't just blithely walk through our life thinking everything's a success. Zony award after Zony award for my performances. Why would I need God in that? The answer is I wouldn't. So God says just because Christ suffered I may ask you to suffer as well so that you can share in his glory. Your part in this show continues with recovery. First recovery from your own sin and that happens immediately when you come to Christ. Your destiny changes from hell to heaven but we're still broken inside and we need help. And Sometimes that help needs to be medical and clinical. And sometimes it's social and sometimes it's, we're just lonely. Sometimes we don't know the word of God and we need it taught to us. That's why here at Center Stage, we teach the Bible. We don't teach Mickey's opinion. We don't teach Rob's opinion. We teach what we believe the Bible says. Now we may be right and we may be wrong, but we trust that we have studied, but we're not interested in what our opinions are. I mean, at some level we are, but they should be focused by God's word. Your part continues with recovery. God wants you like Moses to recover and to go be his person, his man or his woman, to trust him to venture back onto the stage, to trust him enough to confront your own inadequacies, to overcome your failures. Mind you, you can't do this by yourself. Everybody tries. And after they fail, they think, well, what was that all about? Well, you didn't trust God. You just tried to work hard. And that's not how it works. And the reason we do that falsely is because we haven't read the Bible about how to be God's person. It's about prayer and confession of sin and service and sacrifice. It's not about glory. It is eventually John writes, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous, forgiving our sin and cleansing it. In other words, he makes us clean from all unrighteousness. Paul said this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Instead, I'm single-minded, forgetting what is behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. Thank God Moses saw that what was ahead was deliverance. And... Ultimately, that fear, that consternation, all of that stuff, the baggage, he said, okay, I trust you. That's what faith is. It's saying, I trust you. Read about the Hall of Fame in the book of Hebrews. It's all about people who trusted God in the face of unimaginable heartache and challenge. Like Moses, God has called you. He has. Now I can't tell you the parties called you to exactly. I can tell you that there's some commonality to the things that God calls us to, but I don't know exactly. I can remember when, as a, uh, we called them music guys in churches in 2003. When God said, start a church, some of my friends said, no, 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 no. You, you're a music guy. And I could have said, well, I did say, yeah. And then these are pastors. Why would God call a music guy with a music education to start a church? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Here we are 19 years later. Hallelujah. And at some point I had to say, okay, what do I believe? Moses did too. You do too. What do you believe about what I'm saying to you? Is it, oh, that's cute. And what's for lunch? Okay. What restaurant doesn't have a crowd? And the answer's none. Jesus said, I say first. God's main calling, his main calling isn't to a job. It's to a life. It is a life that belongs to him. And if your life belongs to him and if you're connected to him, God will show you. God made Saturn. He can show you what to do. He can. He shows me what to do. Even when I think, oh, just, oh, and I get all bent out of shape about this or that or the other. And my wife says, would you just trust God? Okay. It's not quite that. (laughs) Close. It's close. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God's calling is always to Jesus. God's not going to call you anywhere other than himself to him. And he, through the Holy Spirit, which is God's gift at salvation, will talk to you about what to do. You are his creation. Do you think that he doesn't know how to communicate with you? He does. He does. And we always go, oh, so I'm going to go to the lake instead of to church today. Okay. Well, that shows me you really don't believe that God talks to you because. God already said to you this, and off you go. Now, I've been to the lake on Sunday before. It was on my day off or vacation. Just make that clear. (laughs) God's main calling is to be his person, his man, or his woman. John records, to all who received Jesus, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Truly, we are children of God. Already, but what he's talking about is the becoming of the people of God. In other words, the behavior of God, the traits and exhibit, the ministry of God and all of that is what we become. God will show you what He wants you to do. Test him. Now he doesn't show you tomorrow, necessarily. Sometimes it's a long time, because you're not ready for what He's called you to. And he wants to make you ready. So here's what happens. Okay, God, a little timid me, I step into your presence and I'll say, all right, Mickey said I should trust you. So what do you want me to do? Well, if you don't want me to do anything, that's fine. I'll talk to you in 10 years. So that's not how it works. God calls you to something, but what he wants you mostly for. It's not the job. It's the life. He's calling you and me as people. God will show you after he has you, your special role in the world. He will. That's why you're here if you belong to him. It's why he wants you to belong to him if you don't belong to him. God will show you. Jeremiah 29:11. I know this has various broad messages it's not to be determined in the way that some people determine it this in this day but I'm going to read it anyway and you can uh, figure it out. Jeremiah 29:11 says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord he's talking to Israel not to you as a person but there is the same God revealed so take it as it comes. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In 1973, there was a gentleman named Gary Kildall, and he wrote the very first popular operating system for a personal computer. He called it CP-M. IBM approached Kildall in 1980 about developing the operating system for the IBM PC. But Kildall snubbed IBM because at a crucial meeting and decided to uh, go flying instead. Frustrated executives of IBM instead turned to a man named Bill Gates, founder of a small company named Microsoft, and his operating system named MS-DOS. Fourteen years later, Bill Gates was worth more than $8 billion. Kildall, who has since died... Author Pete Carroll says he was a smart guy who didn't realize how big an operating system would become. So that's the message today. Why should you listen to this? Because it's true. I didn't make it true. I'm just proclaiming it. God made it true because it is true. And when he speaks about it, he speaks truth. So it's worth reading about. It's worth listening to. It's worth considering that all the things that you thought about God since you were born might not be true. Maybe the Bible is true, and I should read it. And I challenge you, especially if you're listening by podcast, if you've never read the Bible, well, that's your assignment. Pick it up anywhere you want to read it. I would recommend the book of John. If you want to start, read about who God is and then start at the beginning and read the entire book. You'll be better off for it. Above all, the message for today is don't make the same mistake that Gary Kildall made who didn't know what he had. Didn't know what he had. Don't make that mistake. You have the God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob in your own life if you know Christ today. And I would encourage you that as we saw in the world premiere as they came out of Egypt, join that show. Go be part of it. You will never, ever regret it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for who you are. And Lord, as we continue this story about the world stage and the world premiere of you really being introduced as as a world renowned god thank you father that we can't reduce who you are to some cute analogy you are the god of eternity not just abraham isaac and jacob you are the i am you are the god of yesterday today and tomorrow now father, i pray father that each person here that is listening, would first contemplate, do I know Christ as my Savior? Because nothing else really fits in place until we have that relationship to you. And so whether it be someone here live in the room or someone who's listened later time on the podcast, we can know you, God. Your word says we can. We trust that Christ who died on a cross, who was completely sinless, took our sin on him, and paid the price for that sin that I owed God. And because of that, I can say, yes, I believe that, and your holiness is imparted to me because Christ has made it so. And I can stand in your presence, unlike Moses. We have access to you, according to the book of Hebrews, because of Christ, our high priest and savior. Thank you, Father, for who you are. Would you bless each person that listens to this message in a way that I can't know because I don't, I'm not God. Would you minister in ways that are remarkable and incredible? Would you go and seek and save that which is lost? We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Join us for the next lesson in this Center Stage Teaching Series and tell a friend about our His Story podcast. For more information about Center Stage Church in Gold Canyon, Arizona, visit centerstagechurch.org.